be in First Chronicles, chapter number twenty-one. <coughs> First Chronicles, chapter number twenty-one. Again, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here in the service tonight. I trust that the Lord will help us together, and certainly I need His help tonight. Very well aware of my inability and insufficiency to do anything within myself. And uh, I'm afraid in these days the church is trying to work in the power of itself, but it has no power in and of itself. Our power is of the Lord. We need Him tonight and to need His help. And uh, anything wrought in the power of the flesh will only ever affect the flesh, uh, but it will take the Spirit of God and the power of God to affect the soul and the spirit of man. First Chronicles 21, let's stand together for just a minute as we read the Word of God. Trying to pray about the service for tonight and this thought kept coming to my heart and I really didn't know where in the Scripture the Lord would have us to go and was looking at several different places because it's a subject that's covered in several places both in the Old and the New Testament. The Lord directed my heart here and I'm just going to read one verse and then try by the help of God to give you what's on our heart for the service for just a few moments tonight. First Chronicles chapter 21, and I want to read verse number 1. The Bible says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> I want to preach tonight, if God will be my helper for just a few minutes, and you'd pray for me on Satan. Here in the Scripture we are told that Satan stands up against Israel, or comes against Israel, and he provokes or deceives or stirs up David, who is king at this time, to number Israel. Now, there's a lot of thoughts about what this means or why this was such a bad thing. In verse number 7, the Bible said, And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, He smote Israel. There are a lot of opinions about why it was so bad. It appears to me that it was a pride thing. That either David wanted to know how many he had to feel good about himself, or David wanted to know when the next battle came, how many soldiers that he could have to rely on. But see, in the history of the people of God, it had never been how many soldiers that the army had. God had at times taken tens of thousands, sometimes just a few thousand and at other times just a few hundred men and wrought great victories in the lives of the people of God. And so it was never that the people of God were dependent on their number to deliver them out of the hand of the enemy, but it was that that they depended upon their God to bring them out of the hand of the enemy. And I feel like David's pride was shown here in numbering the people. In numbering the people, it was not that he was numbering every citizen in the land of Israel, but he was numbering the men who were capable for battle. 
He was taking a conscription or a draft, if you will, of every every male that could be considered capable of fighting for the nation of Israel. And the Bible said that Satan provoked David to do this thing. And the thing displeased God. And the people of God suffered the consequence of one man giving in to the influence of Satan. Now I think the Lord began to deal with my heart today. I think that Satan and his business is a very misunderstood thing in our church world today. I think that there are a lot of things that we give him credit for that are, has nothing to do with him. But then I also think that we ascribe credit to other things that are his workings every time. You see, the reality is that we're not fighting against one another. We're not fighting with the church up the road. As a matter of fact, our battle is not with false doctrine. Our battle is not with false worship. Our battle is not with false religion. But our battle is with the one who is deceiving them into doing so. The Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's no other human being on this earth that is our adversary. We're not waging war against one another. But we are wrestling against principalities and against powers and against spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so our warfare, of course we know that Peter instructed the church and especially the elders at the church to be sober and vigilant for we have an adversary, the devil, and he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so it is important for you and I to understand and the Bible is very clear and very plain to give us some insight into the enemy that we're fighting against. We have the wrong mindset in our day. Every time somebody gets sick, we say, well, it's the devil. No, it's the reality that we live in a cursed body of flesh. And every bad thing that happens doesn't always have something to do with him. But the deception of the world is a result of his working. And he is a deceiver. Uh, There's some things the Lord put on my heart today that I want to just take my time and go through concerning Satan and and try to give them to you tonight in hopes that it might help you uh, and strengthen you for the days that are ahead. I want to say the Lord spoke to my heart and said uh, to tell you tonight that he is a deceiver. And that's what he's done to David. He has deceived him has stirred him up, prompted him to do something that is displeasing in the sight of God. The first record actually in the Bible that we read about Satan and his work and influence to the serpent in the Garden of Eden shows us that he is a deceiver. And his business is to deceive men and women about the Scriptures. That's the first thing he did. And can I say tonight, the devil probably knows more Bible than you and I do. That's right. He was there in the beginning. And he had a fellowship with God. But pride brought him up. And he wanted to elevate.
made his song above God, his position above God. The Bible said it's lightning fall from heaven. God cast him in a third part of the angels out. If he can deceive a third part of those created beings to worship God, he can deceive you and I. And his business is deception. He is a deceiver. And the Bible said in the Garden of Eden that he, uh, that he beguiled Eve. He tempted her. And the Bible said that the first thing he dealt with was the Word of God. He said, have God said. And then he began to sneak in. And he had elements of the truth. that he began to sneak in other parts and add to the words of God that God never said. God never said anything about touching the fruit. God only said if you eat it, you will die. And Satan said, God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden. And Satan knew God hadn't said that, but he began to twist the words of God and he deceived Eve and she began to add to and twist the words of God. I'm going to tell you tonight, he is a deceiver concerning the scriptures. I think that's why that the Lord put pastors apart of the reason that God put pastors over the churches and commanded them to preach pastoral preaching and doctrine the people of God and to root us and ground us and establish us in the truths of the word of God for we are facing an adversary that is a deceiver about the scriptures. Not only does he deceive about the scriptures but he deceives us about our sovereign God that he doesn't care about us. That's how he deceived Eve. He said, God knows. He knows you won't die. You'll just be like he is. And he don't want you to be like he is. And so he not only cast a negative light on the word of God, but he cast a light on God himself. There are many people today, many saved people, that have been deceived by Satan. And the battlefield is in the mind. We must understand that. The heart is the seat of God. When you're born again, Holy Ghost takes up a bone and sits upon the throne of your heart. And the battlefield is not there, but the battle is in the mind. I think it's amazing that the helmet is mentioned there. The helmet of salvation, it's a protection from the mind battle that's going on with our adversary. And he works in deception. I believe that a lot of good people And I use that word good. I understand the scriptures say there's none good, but you know what I'm saying. A lot of saved people, church people have been deceived. And they've become discouraged. And they've walked away because the deceiver, the enemy, the adversary, Satan, have deceived them not only about the scripture, but he's deceived them about God and convinced them that maybe God doesn't care about what they're going through. Maybe the church doesn't care about what they're going through. Maybe others don't care and isolated them and they feel that's what the devil desires to do. He desires to isolate you and make you feel all alone. That's why it's necessary and important for you to be a part of the local church and for God to work through the church and to let you know you're not alone. You're not alone. During the time years ago it's not been too long, but it's been a few years now. During that time when we could not assemble together, I think the devil worked in those days and overtime. And he made many good people, many people that are saved people. And I understand there are many who probably weren't saved to begin with. And they were just looking for an excuse and a cop out to get out 
of the kingdom of the house of God. I'm not talking about those folks. I'm talking about saved folk that the devil isolated them through all of that and convinced them and deceived them that God and the church and the people of God really doesn't care about them. We need one another. God set it up for us to work together in this thing. We have an adversary. He's deceiving concerning the scriptures. He's deceiving concerning our God, the sovereign God. He's in control of everything. And the devil would like to get you to doubt his control. He'd like to get you to doubt his ability to deliver you. He'd like to get you to doubt his ability to help you and to come to your aid and your rescue. He'd like to get you to doubt his ability, God's ability to love you and bring you out of whatever situation you're in. And so the Bible's very clear here in even this scripture that Satan deceives. He stirred up, he provoked David to number Israel. And he'll deceive you too. But I'm going to tell you something else. He'll deceive concerning sin. He'll deceive you into thinking that sin won't really bother you. Or he'll deceive you into thinking one of the greatest lies that's ever been sold to people of God about sin is your sin only affects you and nobody else. That's a great deception of the enemy. A great deception of the adversary. That's true. We'd never read verse number 7. If it was just David's sin, then God would have judged David. If David's sin only bothered David, then God would have just judged David. The Bible said he was displeased and he smote Israel for David's sin. Joab, David's captain, even tried to convince him. He said, Lord, my Lord, why do you want to do this thing? He said, isn't God greater than all the people and aren't all the people hard following after thee? But David wouldn't hear. I'm going to tell you in these days, the devil's got the ear of some people and they won't even hear the preacher. And they won't hear the church. And they won't hear their loved ones. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not to pray for them. That doesn't mean that we're to stop our mouths. But I'm telling you, sometimes the deception is so great that God has to judge and work and deal with them based upon their own deception. That's what he did for David. The Bible said he smote Israel. David realized after he began, after the judgment of God began to come, David realized, he said, I sin greatly. I have done this thing. But it was too late. The consequence of the sin had already begun. And that's what the devil will lie and deceive about is that there's no real consequence to sin. But according to the word of God, if you belong to God, you'll not sin and get by. There's chastisement. And he'll deal with you and correct you as a father who corrected his children. It just is the way it is with the people of God. But Satan... He begins to deceive. I want to say not only do the Scriptures tell us about His deception, but the Scriptures tell us about His desire, that He has a desire. In the Scriptures in the book of Matthew, I think it is, and probably some of the other Gospels, but I was reading in the book of Matthew and also in the book of Luke today, Jesus speaks to Peter and He says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And that's Satan's desire for every child of God, is to have you and sift you. The word sift, it does not 
mean what we think it does. It does not mean to separate one from the other. That's not the devil's business. But the word sent means to agitate. And it speaks of an inward. Matter of fact, if you go home and look it up in the Greek, it means an inward agitation to bring one to the brink of overthrow. And that's what Jesus said Satan wanted to do with Peter. He wanted to overthrow him. He wanted to bring him into such turmoil within that he gave up, that he threw up his hands, and he quit. And that's his desire for every child of God. We must understand that. That he has this desire. He desires to sift you. If he desired to sift Peter, will he not desire to sift you? If his desire was to lay hold... On the Apostle Peter, his desire for you, child of God, is to lay hold on you as well. And the reality is, he'll work inside you and and bring you in turn. He works in doubt. He works in deception. He works in discouragement. He works in despair. All of these things coupled together, working inside of you to agitate your inward parts and to bring you the place you throw up your hands and give up. That's his desire. He doesn't want to stop there. But he wants to according to the scriptures. He wants to devour you. That's what the Bible said. Our adversary, the one that comes against us, and that's a legal term, that's one that gathers evidence against us. And that's what the Bible calls him, the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He drums up your past. God never brings up your past. He, the adversary, is the one that brings up your past. And he uses your past to discourage you and to bring you into despair, to feel like there's no hope or no good that can ever come. And if he gets you in that state, if he gets you isolated from the church, it's like a lion working against the herd. If he can get one single solitary being isolated, then it's his for devouring. And that's what the devil wants to do. He's not playing games. He's not just some figment of our imagination. He's not just a few bad things or happenstance or coincidence. But he is a real and a powerful enemy. The Bible speaks about the power of Satan. The Bible speaks about he's the prince and the power of the air. The Bible speaks about the powers of darkness. And it's a very real thing. And he's seeking whom he may devour. He's devouring Christians. He's devouring families. He's devouring marriages and homes. He's devouring relationships. And he's devouring unity. All these things. He is our adversary. He's not for us. Never has been for us. He's always been against us. He doesn't play with us. And and if we'll do his bid, no good thing will ever come. He's always out to destroy the things of God. That's what he's up to. He's out for your destruction. But we live in a day where many of the people of God play games with sin. And they play games with Satan. And they treat him like a house cat. But he's not one. And you can't tame him. You can't put a collar on him and have him as a pet. Anybody that's ever tried to tame a wild animal has got bit somewhere along the line. And many of the people of God, many saved folk, many people that are regular in the house of God have thought that they could put a collar on their sin and a collar on their adversary, a collar on this line and treat him like a friend and a pet. But somewhere along the line, he's going to bite you. And if he's able, he'll devour you. 
He'll not, there's been many a child of God, thank God, that have been delivered. They've been named, but they've been delivered. But according to Peter, if he's able, if you don't see the light of the Holy Ghost, that doesn't work in you, and here you heed the preaching of the word of God and turn to God for help, his output, his desire is to devour you. That's right. There have been some children of God that have been taken by the snare of the devil and they've been maimed. They've lost some limbs. Lost some things along the journey. But thank God they've been delivered. They've heeded the preaching, heeded the warning. And I'm here tonight. You say, preacher, this is a Sunday night crowd and there's a lot of us out. Why are you preaching this way? Well, it's just a message of warning. In reality. There's an adversary out there. You can spare yourself a lot of hurt, harm and a lot of hurt if you'll pay attention to the preaching, the working of the Holy Ghost in your heart and know that he's nobody to play games with. The Bible speaks that he has wiles. He's crafty. He's deceitful. That word wiles means literally underhanded dealing. He does not play fair. There's no rules to his warfare. He'll do anything and everything he can to affect you negatively in the spirit. That is right. He is an adversary. He is out to devour. I won't say he'll cause you to doubt if you're not careful. He'll cause you to doubt a lot of things. Ephesians 6 spoke not only about his wiles, but it also spoke about fiery darts, the fiery darts of the wicked. If you study that, those darts had poison on the end and they would pierce the skin and it would cause the skin to burn and to become inflamed and swell. And that's what the devil's doing in your mind. He's not aiming for your skin. He's aiming for your mind. And the poison of the darts of the devil will cause your mind to inflame and begin to cause you to question everything you know is right. Question God's care. Question God's ability. Question the church's purpose. Question the reason for being here. He deals in doubt. And he deals in fear. God doesn't deal with his people in fear. But the Bible said God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. God gives us and furnishes us if we'll heed to Him and stay close to Him and stay in His Word and stay in the church and heed the preaching. God will deal with our mind and give us soundness, but the devil deals in a scattered mind where you can't focus and you can't get peace and you can't get help and you just doubt everything. You doubt the very God that saved you. You doubt God's ability. You doubt, doubt the preacher's care. You doubt the church's care. I'm telling you, I know what I'm preaching about tonight. It is a reality that people assume the devil gets in people's minds and works them one against another. The devil's not for unity in the church. He's against it because unity is pleasant in the sight of God and anything that's pleasing to God has displeasing the devil and he's against it and he knows if he can get unity out of the church then he's got the church where he wants it and there's no power and no product in a church that's not unified in the spirit and so it begins to sow discord it's what the devil does the Bible said God hates a man an individual that soweth discord among the brethren but that's what the devil's in the business of doing he works in discord. He begins to get in your heart. And I know what I'm preaching about. I've seen it. 
I've experienced it in my own heart and in my own life. And I've seen it in my years of pastoring. He'll get in your heart. He'll get in your mind. And he'll begin to convince you that maybe somebody in the church doesn't care about you as much as you think they ought to. Or that the preacher don't care about you as much as you think he ought to. Or the members don't care as much as you think they ought to. Maybe they haven't called. Or maybe they haven't checked in. Or but the reality is, it's the devil. Don't believe it. He's trying to sow discord and break down the walls of unity in the church. That's his business. If he can get the members of the body and ounce with one another, he knows the body can't function. If you got a body part out of joy, your body can't function as it ought to. And the devil knows if he can get you out of joint or get somebody else in the church out of joint and get you offended at one another, and then he's got the power of the church and will be powerless against him. We're no match for him. I'm not preaching what I'm preaching tonight in arrogance. Stand up here super spiritual and tell you that I've got the devil all figured out and I'm a whooping it. I'm no match for him and neither are you. We, have, we don't have the power he has. He does have power according to Scripture. But we do have one for us that's greater than him. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I think there's twofold application of that. I think that means that the Spirit of God inside you, the new man regenerated in the image of Christ is greater than the outer man if you'll submit and surrender under the power and the preaching of the Word of God. But also believe that the Holy Spirit that lives in you is greater than the devil that is at work in the world. We have no power in ourselves. In our flesh, there's no good thing. We have no power of our own accord. We can't drum it up. You better watch this crowd. Now you hear me, I'm just preaching tonight. You better watch this crowd that says, I gave the devil a black eye. You did no such thing. You have no power over him. Except the power of God that's in you and given to you. We must have God. We must have his help. Paul wrote the church at Ephesus about the armor and the warfare. He didn't say be strong in yourself. He said be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. It's not even our might. It's His might. We must have Him to wage the war that's in front of us. Because there is an adversary that is against us. You say, preacher, it's not too encouraging what you preach tonight. Well, I've not tried to be a discourager. I've tried to preach you the truth of the Word of God. And the reality is we're in a warfare and we're working against an enemy. But I do read, if you want some encouragement tonight, I do read where one day he will be destroyed. He's going to be put down. The Bible said he's going to be bound. He's going to be cast along with hell and death into the lake of fire that burneth forever and ever. And I'm longing for that day when he's put down. We don't have to deal with him anymore. And I'm going to tell you tonight, as long as we live in this flesh, we're going to have trouble with the adversary. As long as we're in this world, we're going to have trouble with Satan. And we must understand who he is and what he's doing to the people of God. I really believe he's influenced a lot of people, a lot of saved people. He's got them to doubt. He's begun to deceive them. And he's all but destroyed them in this life. And I'm going to tell you, there are some consequences for listening to the deceiver. He may paint a pretty picture. He always does. He's really good at doing that. But he never does deliver.
on what He promises. I'm going to tell you something about the Lord tonight, and I'm done. If God ever promises you something, He always delivers. But the devil, he's good at making promises, but he never does deliver. And so you better be careful tonight, child of God. I don't know. I honestly don't. I know the Lord put this on my heart, but I don't know if there's somebody here. The devil's trying to influence you and deceive you. Maybe not. I hope not. Maybe it's just a message of warning overall to the whole congregation, the reality that we are against an adversary that doesn't fight fair, that doesn't care, that's out to destroy and devour. I'm grateful tonight. There's a power that worketh in us. Thank God tonight. It's what that scripture says. We quote it and we stop short too many times. Unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We could stop, pause, push a button, and shout. It's wonderful, but we need to go on. Because the scriptures say, according to the power that worketh in us. There's a power at work in this world. It's working in the children of disobedience. But thank God there is a power of God that is at work in us. The power of God will deliver us. We'll submit ourselves, stay close to God, and be aware of the deceiver, Satan, that's against the people of God. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege to gather together. I know, Lord, it's not been much on my part, just a few scattered words, but I've tried my best to follow your leadership 